the purpose of of the book is really to um, to, to, to kind of arm you know kind of you know the big activists in Ireland in terms of the issue of finance. Welcome to Focus, an audio series from Colab, the Association of Return Development Workers and Volunteers. I'm your host, Mark Malone. In the series, we take a varied look at issues and themes around global inequality and talk to people involved in different ways in challenging inequality and injustices wherever they are. In this episode, Conor McCabe chats to Eilish Dillon, head of the Department of International Development at Maynooth, to discuss his latest book, Money. Conor is a research associate with the UCD Equality Study Centre. He's written extensively in Irish finance and is involved in activist education, working with political, trade union and community groups in both the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Prior to his latest book he's discussing today, he published Sins of the Father, Tracing the Decisions that Shaped the Irish Economy. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you do, please subscribe and share. So it's very much geared towards those who are working, as most people are here, I mean, I recognise a lot um, of the faces in, in the room from the gutter forms of kind of social and like and 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 and, and, uh, and like political activity and it's about like saying that we were kind of told that like you know money is outside of our realm of like expertise that we're all lefties and how dare we talk about money you know and um, and it's like well no I mean we learned from kind of 2008 just how important that money is in our lives whether we like it or not so we needed to find a way of understanding it and then also find a way of then how to organize to tackle it, to change its profit-seeking kind of strategies into areas that are more kind of socially based. Um, so it's more like, you know, how do we, you know, how do we build a more kind of social, uh, a, a kind of society-focused kind of Ireland and try and get away from one that's based on, you know, a tax haven or kind of financialization or kind of other, other forms of kind of, of like, of kind of anti-social profit-seeking activity. Um, so we needed to kind of, uh, to tool up, to, to kind of learn how to do these things. And that meant like taking on kind of money that, you know, as a topic itself from an activist perspective. Uh-huh. So not from an academic perspective or from a Googled, Per perspective, a, a googling money is worse than kind of you know than googling have I got cancer because just all the answers uh, that you get back are just so kind of ridiculous, you know. So it's about like you know trying to get over that hump and actually and actually trying to make something to make sense of a topic that people feel. I think you know those on the left and kind of more progressives we feel intimidated almost by money. So it's about like trying to get over that hump and actually kind of take it on then, you know? So that's, that's really, it's like whole purpose. It's a, it's a stepping stone like towards, you know, more kind of uh, self-knowledge than in this. You know? Excellent, brilliant, thanks a million. Uh, I must Google money after this just to see yeah. what comes up. Yeah, uh, just, fiat, fiat system, eh? yeah. oh God. What no are the, one of, I suppose a, a key thing I wanted to ask you, and I think you have it highlighted very clearly in the intro chapter, but just for those who haven't, had a chance to read it. What would you say are your core arguments that you're putting across from an activist point of view? Uh, yeah, what are, you, what are you arguing in the book? Well, I mean, just first of all, like I take the view that, uh, that money is a social technology. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of main kind of, where, where I would break with Google, <laughs> for, if, if, you know, for want of a better word. Um, where it's saying that, uh, that money is really, it's a social process, it's a technology same as writing or kind of language. 
Um, it seems to be inherent to any kind of complex human kind of societies. No matter where you go on the planet, uh, like no matter how far back you go, there are some forms of social organisation that are needed for, in terms of obligations and uh, distribution. And to, to kind of cut to the chase, like the argument I make in the book is that we have an invasion of this system by kind of capitalism in, in around the 12th and 13th century. That by capitalism is, a, is as boastful as it is kind of arrogant. Um, it claims to have invented everything, including money, including markets, including trade. These all existed way before, just way before yeah, by capitalism kind of showed up. And then that then opens up the, the, the thought that, well, maybe they'll be there after it's gone. So then this opens up kind of issues around kind of alternative, alternative kind of societies. Um, do we look at a post-capitalist world that involves trade? If, something, if that's something that's inherent to kind of um, social activity anyway. Do we look at a, you know, a post-capitalist world that has money still? So I try to, to kind of delve into these kind of questions and also try to show that when it comes to kind of capitalism, we are dealing with a fairly sp uh, specific historical and geographical event. It's Northern kind of European, 12th kind of 14th century, moves on then from there. Um, paper money, you can go back to China in the, in the 6th century and it's there. Um, coin, of course, goes back as far as the Roman times and then forms of other kind of social kind of money goes back to as early as, as the written kind of word then itself forever. So we have to see that like when we talk about kind of capitalism we shouldn't take its boastfulness for granted. It will claim to be everything. That we invented that, we did this, we did everything. So no, that isn't the case at all. You stole all of these things. And you invaded kind of this system and then twisted it with this kind of crazy logic um, into its own kind of image, you know? So it's about like, then taking those ideas and saying, well, how does that play out in terms of, of Ireland? Um, just to kind of, I, I feel like I'm ranting on, sorry. But no, it, this it, is the whole purpose yeah, of like, We want to hear what you have like to say. Like usually at this time, I'm now like changing slides. And I think, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't do that now, Dan. Um, uh, so like what I argue then is that in terms of looking for, like the book is in three parts. One is money, second is money in Ireland, and then third is alternatives to to same. So one of my biggest kind of uh, frustrations as a researcher is that um, there's a tendency, maybe I'm being um, a, a, bit, a bit too kind of generalized, but I have noticed that in terms of the left in, in Ireland, we tend to look at how capitalism works in other countries and hope that we can just slap it on top of here and it'll work and it's going, no, that's not how this works. If we want to work, if we want to find out how does kind of capitalism work in Ireland, we need to do that research ourselves because no one else is going to do it then for us. So we can't take stuff from France or from Venezuela or from England, put it on top of social, of social dynamics and historical, very specific historical and social and the geographical dynamics of this island and hope that that will give us then answers as to how and why the IFSC is there. You know, it's going no. So, so can I interrupt you there? So how does it work in Ireland? 
Um, well, I mean, like um, the, the argument that I I make, like like not only in this book but uh, but in all my work, um, it's a thesis. I put forward kind of that argument. I think I'm right, but it is a working kind of thesis. Is that um, we have a certain kind of competitor kind of class here, that um, that when you look at at, at capitalism as a kind of you know, multi-state kind of transnational kind of um, activity. There's a certain niche in kind of global, in global, in global kind of capitalism that the Irish kind of kind of finance class have carved out for themselves, and it's very much a kind of middleman class. So it's very much based on administration, and that's where you get into the most prominent example of that is the, the IFSC itself. There's around two to three trillion dollars under administration in the IFSC, that's on paper. Did anyone see the, the Irish Times today, the, Ireland, the Irish workers are the most productive in, 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 in the universe? <laughs> Completely. And they didn't actually go into, that's based on, how they worked that out is that you take GDP as a gross figure, how many citizens there are, I divide one into the other, and then that's your and that's your kind of productivity. So when you factor in all the tax haven stuff, Irish people are the most productive species that has ever existed. Of course, anywhere in the world, you know, uh, in the universe, you know, so, at the moment, anyway. Mars, who knows? So tell us, a, so tell us a little bit more about how it works with this comprador class, these middle people. You said middlemen. I'm going to middlemen. Yeah, it's, middle it's, men, it's middle, middle people. people. Sorry, yeah. I know. I know. No, no. I'm just wondering. I'm it might be. It you know, might so. actually be middlemen largely. Yeah. But uh, so tell us a bit more. Well, I mean, like all, all joking aside, I mean that's what melts out that I deal with in the book is that there's a gendered aspect to kind of capitalism, which we don't really kind of factor in. It's it's a highly gendered, um, exploitative kind of system as well. You know, and I, I'd be heavily influenced by, uh, you know, Sylvia Confederici and you know. Just writers kind of like that, wherever some brilliant kind of insights. Alex Selma James, who once gave me a hug, and I will never forget it. It was great. But like you know, but like um, so it's it's stuff like that. At the Annika's fair, actually. But like um, the sorry, I've lost your question. You're okay, it's just side. back. It's back to how yeah. ca how capitalism how it, works. How in it Ireland. works here? Yeah, I mean, like this is where it gets into how we can't just slap it from how it works in Britain uh -huh. or from, or, or, or from, or from, from other states. Yeah. Historically, there's a certain way that our, our society, from an economic perspective, has kind of developed. It's highly truncated. There's a colonial aspect to it as well. It's a messed up kind of colonial kind of setup. But what I argue is that around the 1840s, 1850s, you start to see this kind of rancher class kind of emerge. Um, and really, their interests post-1922, they become the interests. Um, they make sure that their, that their economic interests are the interests of this emerging Irish state. They're able to bed down into key kind of institutions, their logic, their common sense. So it's and in- are, are, is, are we, any, any of us, them? I, see, well, see, this is where I, like, I mean, I always make the point that I don't talk about social class. Uh, that's okay. not my expertise. I'm talking right. about economic class kind of relations. Okay. So that's a different thing. I mean, I can talk to you about how many jobs there are in the state. I wouldn't talk about how many people, you know, 
I can, I can say to you that, that um, half of all jobs in the Irish state pay less than 27,000 euros. That does not mean that half of all people earn less than that. Yeah. The jobs are that. People are changing jobs all the time. People are yeah. like moving up. But the system as a system, as an economic class system, or a class kind of dynamic, that's what I focus in on. It's very much a macro way of, of, of seeing things. It's a sledgehammer, but if you're breaking down walls, that's what you use. And um, it's no good for the more kind of nuanced kind of um, individual kind of level of how kind of social class kind of operates. Equally as important, but not something that I would kind of deal with because I want to look at how, how the system works as a system. And you know how it, how it, how how does how does economic class reproduce itself after the first generation dies out? Mm. How come we still have these kind of class relations now, when we're like four, five, six, 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 six generations into this kind of Irish state? The argument I make is that economic class reproduces it reproduces itself to key institutions, and that's where you really get into. But what are those kind of key? Um, blocks in the Irish state and the, the argument I make is that in terms of finance you're looking at the the banks central bank Taoiseach's office a department of of, of of finances there's one or two people here who probably kind of work in in kind of but in, like those areas but for me they're the ones that are able to reproduce that logic that common sense and their job then as activists to try and how do we challenge that kind of common sense? How do you change that common sense? Have I still got people with me or am I losing? Or, so you just, so just, just what happened with slides is go, Can I ask you people. about that? Because that's, that's very Sorry. interesting. Can I ask you, what's, what do you mean by reproducing this logic or common sense? What common sense? Well, I mean, like, I mean if, if, if you look at, at housing, it's a great example of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the logic, I can, like, I wrote a book called Sins of the Far that looked at various kind of, what I thought were key aspects of the Irish kind of economy, and one of them was housing. And I could see, being an old style historian, I went back to the newspapers and read through the newspapers themselves, and the fascinating thing there is that you can see the logic starting to change. That, um, I once did some oral history, um, I'm from Eden Moore and on like Dublin's, you know, on Deacon Northside. So it's a council estate built in the late 1950s, early 1960s. So I taped some of my neighbours before, and I asked them about, like, what was your experience of, uh, like, Mrs. Bourne? I can never call her Kathleen. It's always, it's always going to be Mrs. Bourne. Uh, but, like, so I said, so, so, like, you know, like, what was her experience of, of, of moving from Marlborough Street here out to Con Eden Moor? And she said she was, like, her word, mesmerised. And uh, she said that, they had never, they were renting obviously, and they had no concept. There was no, there was never any idea of buying a house. And her word was, this is the Dick in 1960s, and like, it, like she was saying, the idea of buying a house would be the same as buying an airplane. It was just, it's outside of anything we will ever be able to achieve. And through massive state intervention, and the 1968, uh, local housing act where they sell off kind of you know kind of public uh, housing stock that idea of Irish people wanting to own houses that's really kind of taken off now of course and you see it now kind of like yourselves like what's the theologic now we should be all renting mm. this is the new thing you can, I can actually see now the, uh, the way that 
that argument around how Irish people now need to start kind of ranting, I can see from 1940s and 1950s and 1960s, Irish people need to start buying houses. And they couldn't do it because just people just didn't have money. Yeah. So they brought in kind of ultra cheap kind of housing by selling off yeah, a kind of housing stock mm -hmm. to privatise that kind of social need. And it worked. It took about kind of about 30 years. And then Irish people convinced <laughs> themselves that they were the only people in the universe again who like bought houses. Even though the percentage, I feel like I'm just ranting now. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> um, but even though the percentage of, of home ownership in the Irish state peaks in, in 1991 and has been dropping ever since, it dropped during the entire kind of Celtic Tiger years. Where was that said in any of the newspapers? It went from 81% or like thereabouts to now it's at levels that haven't been this low since the 1960s. It, it's around 67% now. During the Celtic Tiger years of like 2008, um, when the newspapers were just full of, we, we're the only people in Europe who could like, buy houses, we had average rates of like, home ownership. The highest rates were in Poland, were in Lithuania, for the very same reason they were high, high here in the 1990s. They sold off the public stock. You know? Sometimes we are so lacking in our own self-confidence in, self in how right-wing we are that Irish people genuinely like, believe that we got the idea of selling off social housing from Thatcher. No, it was 12 years beforehand. We started that in 1968. Thatcher doesn't even attempt it until 1979, 1980. And yet we have convinced ourselves that we must be so insecure in our own neoliberalism. Mm. That I we must have gotten it from England. So no, we want. I want to, I we're actually, innovators and being crap and being kind of right. -wing. Sorry for interrupting. Uh, I wanted to ask you about neoliberalism. It's really interesting reading a book that is replete with the co the concept of capitalism, and framed in the context. It's all about capitalism. There are a few references to neoliberalism in yeah. it, but an awful lot of our contemporary discourse is about neoliberalism. And I want to know, why did you write about capitalism and not neoliberalism? Because it, it, it's become such a pejorative that I think it's kind of lost any, any impact, you know? Neoliberalism? Yeah, just as a word. I still use it. It's a handy kind of shorthand, but there's another reason for it as well as that. Like in the book, I, I go back to 6,000 years kind of BC. It's hard for me to believe that there's something new under the sun. And when I read neoliberalism, I, I, I'm just going, this is 14th century Italy. I mean, what's the difference here, lads? You know what I mean? Like, you know? So um, the glitch, the, there's a very interesting argument made by Emmanuel a. Wallace. No, is it by Brodell or by Wallerstein? I get them that kind of mixed up. But one of them kind of makes the, like, the argument that the real glitch in, in like, capitalism is not finance now. It's actually the industrial element of, of capitalism. If you look at, at, at like capitalism as that idea of capital begets capital, making more of itself, this starts to emerge around the 12th century in the Italian kind of city-states, really takes off in the 16th century in like Northern Europe. The quirk is where that kind of financial investment meets with the innovations that are happening in England in terms of like industry. So that we, that 150 year kind of window where, where industrial kind of capitalism kind of really kind of takes off, that's probably the glitch. That's the anomaly. What do you mean? 
finance capital is actually like there's an argument that that kind of neoliberalism that neo that neoliberalism makes that um, that the that um, industrial kind of capitalism ran out of its profit-seeking kind of um, energy in the 1970s and then transferred over to kind of finance. I was going, no, the problem was that it, it, it like transferred over to industry in the, in the late kind of 1800s. It's now gone back to its roots. You know, it's kind of found itself again. You know, it's gotten all hippie-ish. You know? Right. So, yeah. So, so I suppose, if you were to, so if you were to categorise the kind of capitalism we have now, you would categorise it as finance capitalism? I see absolutely no difference and I would agree with uh, like Piketty on this. He, like, like his book gets kind of slagged off. I think it's a really good book. But like, um, but you know, he like you know, he says this idea of the, there's a real trend now for um, adjective dash capitalism. Have you seen it? It's everywhere. It's zombie kind of capitalism. Yeah. It's, it's just adjective stuff forever. No, it's what makes it kind of unique in terms of the history of of money and the use that societies have used for money. Is this idea of using money as investment to make more of itself? So you invest in water not to get water, but to get a return in the money form, not in terms of wages, not in terms of sorry of of uh, working loo, not in terms of land, not in terms of the share of the crop, in the money form itself. Capitalism wants profit in the money form. It wants it that liquid. Mm-hmm. So, so like capitalism as a system, capital monetizes, and capitalism is a system that enables it to to kind of monetize. That took hundreds of years. And like even like this gets into the more kind of you know into kind of feminist kind of economics, where at the start finance a capital or or kind of capitalism, um, it monetized um, certain forms of investment, and ever since then it's it's been drilling down into into kind of society and like monetizing more and more of it. Now it's moved into hospitals and into housing. Capitalism never monetized health. It didn't do it in the 18th and 19th century. Now it wants it, because as it moves more and more into that, as it brings more things into it, it's kind of cash kind of nexus. It brings, it's bringing it not into the money form, but into its logic that it uses in, in the capitalism itself. Right? So in the way you describe it, it's like it's, it's, a, it's a beast all of its own. Because yeah. when, I'm, when I'm listening to you talk, and I don't know what the rest of you are thinking, but I'm thinking, okay, so what's, what's wrong with all this? What's the problem with all this? All of us are engaged in a, we live in a capitalist society. We all have money or some money or less money or no money in our pockets. Mm. You know, I often used to think that, you know, people who say money doesn't matter, the only people who say money doesn't matter are those who have it. And yeah. have loads of it, if you know what I mean. Mm. So I'm just wondering, what's the problem with it? Well, I mean, with all it, of that, it, because it devours people, and it just spits you out. It 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 devours the system. Oh, the system itself. It just devours things, <coughs> and it devours. Like I mean, um, the polar vortex is that what's happening to to the states at the moment? You know, and um, it devours like. This is where I'm probably going to get hung now, but um, with the Marxists in the room, they're actually killing me. But it doesn't just monetize human labor. It monetizes social value and nature as well. And it devours nature. And you can see that being, uh, being kind of played out here as well, you know? So it, um, it, 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 whatever it gets its hands on, it, it transforms it into a kind of money form. 
and then puts property rights on the ownership of that kind of money form. Once you make social value into a kind of money form, that liquid, it's very easy then to, to um, concentrate it. So if you look at, um, is it Oxfam who said that the top 50 richest people in the world yes. own half of the world's wealth? Yeah. Well, if, if, as one example, if you go back to the feudal idea of wealth that was land, very difficult for 50 people to have control of half of the world's landmass. Have to get armies, have to invade countries, have to then hold it. If that wealth isn't in a soil, land kind of form, but it's in a money form, that it's actually, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's in that. It's highly mobile. Then you can concentrate it. So you, so, so you can take wealth that is socially kind of produced, and all wealth is socially produced. Even that book, how many people went into that book? Okay, I did the words, but then there's the printing of it, there's the editing of it, there's, there's kind of distribution, same as that table. There's nothing here that was done by just kind of one person as an individual. It's impossible. Everything is socially kind of produced. It's one of our beauties as a race, as, a, you know, as, a, as an animal, is our, is our desire for sociality, if that's even a word, but it is now. <laughs> but like, um, but but it's that, it's that idea that we, there's a reason why isolation is seen as a, as a punishment, you know? We are social beings. What capitalism does is that it takes that kind of social wealth, monetizes it, concentrates all of its ownership so that it can't be used kind of, you know, anywhere else with disastrous social and economic um, damage, you know, in terms of health, in terms of housing, in terms of um, global warming, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the environment, in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, gender relations, in terms of, um, you know, class relations, in terms of race relations, you know, mm -hmm. it's incredibly damaged. It's a medieval idea. It comes from the 14th century and we should send it back. So yeah, but that's very that's very interesting because it seems that when you talk about the capitalist system, as if it's like that polar vortex, this very good image, or like some kind of a beast, then one of the sections in the book concentrates on how it can be addressed. And one of your arguments is that you can't really address the the problems with capitalism without taking on economic class interests. Mm. So will you explain to the, to the participants here what your core argument is around how, how these problems can be addressed, I suppose, as an activist? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, um, you know um, as, an, as an educator type yeah. activist, I'm crap on the streets. So I just do yeah. slides, that's all. But like, um, and books. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, in, te in, in terms of that, like for me, um, Capitalism hasn't reinvented its own wheel. Why should we? You know, I mean, there are reasons why. If you're going to take, like, structural problems demand a structural response. They demand it. There's no such thing as an individual response to a structural inequality. You need to gang up. Like, you need to have numbers. So it organizes, like, if, like in terms of, of the left, like, there's an argument that's used always that if the left is, is, is fractured, it can't get its shit together, it's always arguing. It's always kind of capitalism. What keeps it together is that it has the state apparatus in its favor. Without the state, capitalism is nothing. It would not survive. And we know this historically. Mm -hmm. In terms of the Italian kind of city-states, they imploded 
when they couldn't actually absorb the chaos anymore that kind of capitalism <coughs> kind of brings. It's only when you merge with the Bank of England really, merges with the British kind of state, that you get that lock, that like triple lock, that really something, there's now something here that can protect the capitalism from its own inherent uh, chaos, you know? Um, so you, you also need then to organize to kind of do that. So you're trying to organize in order to kick back against the damage it's doing. We also need kind of education as well um, in order to tackle that common sense, going back to that common sense idea. Um, like if you're dealing with the state, if you're dealing with like civil servants, if you're dealing with um, those who work in the central bank, there's nobody there who thinks that, that what they're doing is actually socially damaging. Very few. They just, this, like it's, it's, it's the idea of, a, of like conspiracies. There are no conspiracies. They don't exist. Um, a conspiracy is based on the idea that those who are doing wrong know that they're doing wrong, but are doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I actually think that, uh, that most people are doing things that are socially destructive, but actually think that they're doing it for kind of good reasons because their logic tells them that this is for, the, the, the kind of common sense tells them, well, this is, this is the way that like, things are done, you know? So we have to try and challenge that then as well. So, I mean, how do you take on, there's a lot of moving parts here. It isn't easy. Mm -hmm. But you've got to take on a, a, that kind of common sense. That's partly kind of education. Mm -hmm. You also need kind of education that, that, that because it's a dynamic, fluid kind of system, you need to be able, as a movement, to think on your feet. Mm -hmm. So you need to have that knowledge so you can actually adapt to a movement kind of situation at the time, instead of just going, well, it worked in 1917 in Russia, so maybe it's going, no. You know, so you know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's about, it, it, it's about saying, you know, how do we kind of adapt? How do we adapt our strategies in order to reach our objectives? You do not compromise on your objectives, but you constantly compromise on your strategies. They are up for grabs. Your, your objectives are not, but your strategy is. Then you have to be able to think about it. Like, there's an analogy that I like using, and it's a bit corny, but it, but, it, but it is actually how I think. It's the, it's the Star Wars. Have you seen Star Wars? Anyway? Like, all, all, all seen the Star Wars. What's the plot of like Star Wars? They have the plans of the Death Star. Has, has everyone seen it? I don't want to wreck the plot for anyone. <laughs> so, okay, spoiler alert, right? But they get the plans, um, and they find out that, that when they scan all the plans, there's this exhaust funnel which they have that if you hit that bang on with a photon torpedo or whatever it's called, the whole thing will like blow up, right? For me, I'm trying to find the exhaust funnel for Irish kind of capitalism every single day. It's like, how do we scan for this? How do we find its weaknesses? And it has got weaknesses. These are made by people. Anything that is made by people can be changed by people. That's the way that the world works. So it's about seeing wherever, where, where is Irish capitalism strong? Where are its weak points? And for me, where its weak points are, are in social reproduction. So it's where you get into, I know, sorry, I've opened the Yeah, it's just, it's one of those terms people use all the time, social reproduction. What's that? Well, I mean, like, you know, if you look at, like, where, where can capitalism hasn't moved into now? It's moved into spheres where we cannot compromise on them anymore. 
where we can live with them being in charge of business or making kind of water. And we can kind of go, oh, well, it's crappy, but that's it. Like. But now they've moved into health, housing, childcare, and they're monetizing these. And this actually has an effect on social cohesion. So one of our strengths is that like, like the more that we kick back against the gendered nature of social reproduction, that actually is a loss for the, the, the profit-seeking kind of strategies of, kind of capitalism. Now this goes back to kind of Selma James and and uh, and and like my uh, a, like my Rosa at Alacosta in the 1970s with the wages for uh, for housework uh, like program. If you if if women got the money as a wage that they actually do in terms of work, capitalism would fall tomorrow. It just can't do it. This is this is the whole kind of parasitic nature of like capitalism. It takes nature for free, and then it takes the gendered nature of social reproduction, that is mainly kind of female, that's done mainly by women. It takes that then for free as well. If that was factored in as not as an externality, as they call them, but, but as an actual cost, capitalism could not work. That that's a weak point for me. The more that we push against that, eh, the more that you push for childcare for these kind of things, wherever, that's, that's something that, that it will actually be weak upon. And that's where I see it. That's me like scanning for where's that funnel? Where's that exhaust so funnel? Just, I, I'm going to wrap up now soon, but so one thing I was interested in, I'm always interested in this idea of progressive politics. You use that. Yeah. And you talk there about you compromise on your strategies, but you never compromise on your objectives. Yeah. But are those objectives clear? Are those objectives agreed? Or are, are they, or do you have just a sense of what your objectives are, i.e., to find the exhaust funnel for capitalism, like yeah, blow up capitalism? Yeah. But what, what, what then? What, what next? Some men just want to watch the world burn. Um, but like, um, but no, I mean, um, and I would throw away those those diamonds. But like, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is also part of. It. I mean, like, no, it's a very valid point. The, the objectives is where it gets into that kind of dialogue is where you have to have that kind of, a socialism that is not kind of democratic is not socialism. And by democratic, it, it doesn't mean, we'll ask, we'll ask kind of your opinion, but there's a, you know, you know there's a core group who, who, who are gonna like run everything. No, 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 no. The, the objectives have to, have to kind of worked out as well in, in that kind of dialogue. Like for me, in my mind, it would be like, like that thing around kind of, you know, it is around kind of issues of like healthcare, housing, fairness, um, non-profit-seeking kind of strategies for for like human living. You know, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be totally against you know like markets. I I do see that from a historical perspective, but like um, but certainly that kind of capitalist logic has to go from all these things. Uh, Bitcoin is a great example of mm-hmm. what happens when people try to evade the, the kind of capitalist logic. They sort of they sort of, they sort of kind of Bitcoin thinking it's this alternative kind of to money, and now it's just another financial asset. It's been to- totally brought into the kind of capitalist logic, which is mm-hmm. you know money uh, capital kind of gets uh, the capital. Mm-hmm. So I think like the objectives in my mind are actually quite you know they're they're quite modest. Um, but the strategies had to be quite, quite radical. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the arguments I make in the book is that no matter what you ask from the capitalism, it will resist you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a myth that's held by, I think, and more in the kind of um, 
kind of liberal kind of worlds that if you have modest kind of demands, these, these can be achieved through, through kind of modest methods. It's not how this works. They will fight you to and nail for absolutely everything. You look at the nurses today. They have to go on strike and go against their own way of thinking in order to get a, you know, a, a decent wage because they can see. Like, there's, there was a report today. Um, what was it? It was in the, the, the doll. It was on the, um, on the children's hospital. That's, that's been, that's not, that is being built, but isn't being built. In the minutes of the, of the steering group that's in charge of that, there's one line from, I think, May of, like, of, of, of 2018, um, where they say that we have a real problem coming in the line in 2022 because there aren't enough people doing nursing at third level now to graduate in 2022 to fill the 300 pediatric uh, nurses uh, slots that we need for the children's hospital. The reason why they, they can't get them and they aren't doing this because they have butchered that whole kind of um, job kind of sector in terms of wages and, and work conditions. You know, so these are the things that I would see as, as things that are Okay, great. For. We can talk a little bit more about those in a second. Just one last question from me. Yeah. So as an organisation like Kolov and ourselves, who are kind of interested in international development, so the Irish context, of course, but the Irish context in a broader kind of a yeah. global yeah. sphere, what would you say would be the key point from your book for those who are concerned about what, what happens at a global level? Well, I mean, um, like that would not be my area of of expertise. Um, I I wouldn't know much about that. I mean, like for me, that would like what kind of popped in my head was the IFSC, and, and I used mm. that as a shorthand for for the arts kind of transnational financial kind of sector. Um, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a impression I get. I mean, I've done kind of walking tours of the IFSC, and the impression I I get from people is that there's a certain, pardon me, language, but there's a certain uh, feeling that it's a, it's a bit of a kind of cuhorism. That, like, you know, sure, what's the harm like, you know? It's IFSC, it's a, it, it's a bit of a nixer. Like, what's the problem like, you know? The problem being is that since, like, 2002, we're not allowed to have two tax con jurisdictions, but we do have two tax con, two, two tax con jurisdictions, but two tax con jurisdictions in the, in the, in the current republic. Um, that was that was uh, that was taken out by the EU in 2002. So they had to get rid of the special economic tax zones mm. by then, which meant Shannon and it meant uh, Dublin then as well. So the corporation tax outside of those two areas in like 1997 was 35%, and it was 10% in them. And what, how they solved it, they turned everything into 12.5%. So it's not just multinationals who are subject to the 12.5% rate, it's all companies. And you also get to use all the tax avoidance measures, which are all legal as well. So much so that um, according to the D Department of Finance's own kind of figures, 66% um, or so of all companies in, in like every year pay zero corporation tax. They pay nothing, mm. absolutely nothing. Um, that's Irish companies, non-Irish companies. It makes no difference. Mm. So what we have here is something that's seen that is doing damage 
what you know, as Nicole of uh, you know will kind of point mm -hmm. out, is doing damage internationally. It's actually doing damage here as well. It's not something that we can say, Asher, ah, sure, listen, isn't that awful? But there's jobs down there. Well, there's jobs in the IFSC, but there's a reason why we then have problems in Donegal and kind of west of the Shannon because the the type of deep structural capital investment that is needed can't be done there because our tax base is being hollowed out mm. on a year to year on a year by year basis and that actually ties into health then and and housing as well so this has an issue for us here as well we mm. can't just use that argument of ah sure what's the harm like sure what can you do you know yeah. it's a small a small open economy e here whatever economy, yeah. blah, 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 I, I, yeah I think that is one of the lessons actually for international development is that it's not just about o over there or down no. there or out there it's everywhere yeah, yeah. and it's all about these interconnectedness uh, interconnectednesses and about systems and how they work and how globalised we all have become and its yeah. effects yeah. so anyway that's brilliant thanks a million Connor. Yeah. I'm going to um, maybe a, a round of applause yeah. for Connor. thanks a million You've been listening to Focus, an audio series from Colo, the Association of Return Development Workers and Volunteers.